We did uh, $3 million in revenue last year, rough numbers. Um, and that is royalty revenue. So we get paid on the shipment of products on a per unit royalty basis, and we get about 10% royalty. So we enable about $30 million worth of revenue last year. Are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Mr. George Holmes, who joined Resonant in 2016 as the CEO. Prior to joining the company, he served as chief commercial officer for Tygo Energy, where he was responsible for expanding the company's demand creation activities. Resonant is focused on solving the 5G traffic jam. Uh, Mr. George Holmes, ready to take us to the top? Yeah, fire away. All right. So what does it mean when you say solving the 5G traffic jam? For folks that don't understand what 5G is, why is there a traffic jam right now? Oh, gosh, that's a, that's a great question. So traffic jam is probably an interesting way to put it. I mean, we look at 5G as right now the promise of what is to come, right? The, the world today, we're talking about all the things that will be enabled by 5G, yet we're a long way from it. So you know, the operators today are trying to get the infrastructure in place. They're trying to create the footprint. We hear all of the commercials around what T-Mobile is doing, what AT&T is doing, what Verizon is doing. Yet today, we as consumers don't get access to it. You know, we're looking for that 30-second download of a high-def movie as we're jumping on an airplane. Just doesn't happen today. It won't happen for a couple of years. So we've, we've got a real good idea of what's coming but the, the road wrap is not quite materialized yet. Now, like I talked about pre-show, most of our founders we have on our SaaS founders, you're more focused on sort of IoT and this 5G problem. You're also publicly traded. So let me not bury the lead here. What was trailing 12 months revenue and what percent was hardware versus software? So if you look at our business, you know, we, we were you know, a, a public venture-backed startup. So that means we're a publicly traded startup company. We did uh, $3 million in revenue last year, rough numbers. Um, and that is royalty revenue. So we get paid on the shipment of products on a per unit royalty basis, and we get about 10% royalty. So we enable about $30 million for the revenue last year. And we haven't, uh, we haven't really given guidance on what this year will look like other than the fact that we're doing better quarter over quarter every quarter. Yeah, I don't want you to get you in trouble here with the SEC. So let's only talk about historical numbers here for a second. Yeah. We used to empower $30 million of GMV, of which you took 10%, which is $3 million. What is that $30 million? What is that money flow that you're empowering? Yeah, we're, you know, we do filters for mobile devices. In particular, you know, we are in that RF front end that enables the communication between two different devices. A filter is that physical fence between frequencies. You've got a lot of different things coming into your mobile device. You know, if you look at kind of the first handsets that were enabled uh, back in 2007, when the first iPhone came out, it had about half a dozen filters in it. Today, the current 5G iPhone has about 100 filters in it. Just a lot more data pathways going back and forth as we're trying to push more and more data to the mobile handset. And we are the little fences between those frequency paths. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a pure hardware play. There is no software upsell here. 
Ah, so the, the interesting thing about that is what we do for a living is completely enabled by our software platform. We have an EDA software uh, development tool that allows us to design these RF filters. We are the only ones that have a tool like this that allows us to do three-dimensional modeling of acoustic wave filters. And so it's that software tool that has allowed us to create the devices that we actually license to other people. So our business is made up of three fundamental components, a software component, an IP component, and an integration component. We put those three things together and we license technology to third parties. Who was a third party you might license to? Broadcom, Corvo, Skyworks, uh, you know, you name it. Anybody that's an IDM, an original device, integrated device manufacturer targeted in the R front end. Um, you know, there are seven companies that represent 98% of the market, starting at the top with Mirada, Corvo, Skyworks, Broadcom, Qualcomm, Wysol, and Tayo Yudin. That's the big, those are the big kahunas in this space. And they're the ones that really enable everything we do from an RF pathway perspective. Now, George, can Skywork and Broadcom pay to directly use your EDA software tool themselves? Or do they have to go through you? They have to buy the hardware from you. They can't use the software. They have to come through us. We do not license our software to third parties today. Um, we've designed it so that we could. But technically, what we're doing today is we take our software tools we leverage our IP portfolio, which is well over 300 patents filed and issued. Um, and we put those two things together to develop designs for our customers. I see. Okay. So let, let's talk about the $30 million in GMV. And I want to try and make this relatable to our listeners. So I'm holding up my phone right now. Like, can you point to the piece? Like if I open the back of my phone that like you would make, right? That you're making a 10% cut on? Uh, you know, no, it's a grain of, the size of a grain of sand. They're very, wow. very small devices. And they are physical hardware devices. They are actual physical things that you actually go and touch, um, but they're very, very small. And, you know, they're, like I said, if you've got a brand new iPhone, it's got a hundred of them in that phone. Oh, so, wow. Um, and they're integrated into modules typically. And those modules are provided by those big players we just described. Okay. So let's just use an iPhone because everyone listening understands an iPhone. Okay. What is Apple or Skyward or Broadcom or whatever paying you? to get those hundred little sand-sized devices into one phone? Well, that's a great question. So a company like us gets paid a royalty on a per unit royalty basis, and we get a, somewhere between seven and 15% of the ASP, the average selling price of the devices that we're designing. Uh, as I told you, we made $3 million in revenue ourselves last year. We enabled roughly $30 million worth of devices to be sold into the marketplace to earn that $3 million. Um, if you look at the devices that go into that iPhone and you look at the kind of the components that go into that, you know, about, about 20 to 25% of the total material cost of the phone is the RF front end. And it's that RF front end that has all of those components in it. Got it. So, so in this phone, what there's a hundred or two hundred dollars worth of hardware that one of these folks had to pay you to get access to? No, it's about if you look at the actual hardware cost of the phone, depending on which phone you're looking at, you know, um, you're talking in about a thirty dollar range. That's what the cost of the front end is. Okay, so anyone listening right now should think of you like you sold a thirty dollar component that made their iPhone work. They made it possible, and of that thirty dollar thing that you sold, you made about three bucks. You know, if we sold every single device that went into it, that would be 
about 70% of the total RF front end cost. So 30, bu 30 bucks times 70% is 21 bucks. That's about the filter cost that goes into that. Of that 30 bucks, that's about 100 devices. You know, so 100 devices, you know, you're about, you know, 21 divided by 100. That's the number of, you know, types of sizes of components on an ASP perspective. We might get two or three of those devices, depending on who the customer is that actually is supplying that are a front end component to that phone manufacturer. So we've sold right now over 60 million devices into the marketplace. So customers, our customers um, have sold those to uh, phone manufacturers today. Mm -hmm. And how many of the little sand size things have you guys manufactured in the past year? Is that a, is that yeah. a good question? Well, yeah, except that we don't manufacture. Remember, we license technology to folks that they in turn manufacture. Okay, I uh, didn't the, know that. So you don't yes. have hardware. You don't have cost of goods sold for physical. We don't. Hardware. We don't make anything, which is why that three million dollars that we made last year, from a royalty perspective, is so important. We have no below the line costs associated with the development of that revenue. It all so you is wouldn't our report. Costs. You wouldn't report in your revenue then as a publicly traded company. You wouldn't report the thirty million GMV. You'd report the three million. We prefer three million, correct. So how the heck are you? It's got to be patent portfolio. Your market cap right now is about two hundred twenty-seven million dollars. That's a ridiculous valuation for anyone thinking about that compared to private SaaS or private hardware companies. How? Why so big? Well, and we think it's small. Actually, we think there's a a, a lot of way to a lot of room to run uh, with that number right now, and, and I'll tell you why. As you look at what we're doing as a you know, a publicly traded microcap company that is truly a, a startup company in the early stages of revenue. Um, we are delivering on the promises that we made two or three years ago. And we continue to deliver on those promises as we continue to grow quarter over quarter. Um, it's the opportunity that we enable. If you look at the opportunities that we enable, for example, with our most recent deal for 5G filters, we are going to enable several billion dollars worth of revenue for our customer. So it's that opportunity that I think investors look at. It's the enabled revenue opportunity that we're creating and us continuing to deliver on the promise against those targets that will make that happen. Are you pricing too cheap? I think we're cheap. Why that's haven't my, you that, priced it? That's, that's my view. I think, it's a, I think it's a great value today, for sure. Why haven't you increased prices? Well, we don't. Uh, oh, you, two different two different questions. I think my stock price is too cheap. You're talking about if our if our prices of what we sell for are too yeah. Cheap. If you're if you're enabling these folks to sell so much GMV, maybe your pricing. I mean, maybe you're too cheap. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great question. I would tell you that if you look at the largest uh, licenses licensors of technology, companies like Arm, Tesla, Siva, and whatnot, they're very happy to get one to two percent royalty. We're getting on average seven to fifteen percent royalties, so we think we're in pretty good shape from that perspective. Um, the other thing that we're doing as we go forward, we're we're selling our technology on a on a on a prepaid royalty basis. So now we're actually getting paid before our customers actually deliver a product into the market. So we're doing that to really to make it more predictable for our royalty revenues going forward. Um, I think as we see the opportunities continue to expand and, and the work that we're doing today, I think we'll see that the, our revenue numbers will grow and they'll grow exponentially over the course of the next three or four years. And as a result, 
company uh, investors that invest in what we're doing will see a tremendous uplift in the opportunity set. Yeah, your reported revenue back in 2018 was 524 million. I believe you joined the when you, sorry, five, uh, 524,000. When did you join the company? What year? 2016. Okay, yeah. So that was that was two years after you joined. You've since grown from half a million in revenue to 3.2 million in trailing 12 months revenue, according to public traded uh, issues here. Yep. But the flip side of that is you spent your operating expense, your OPEX was about 32 million to generate 3.2 million in revenue. A lot of that is 19 million on R&D. How much of that yep. is subsidized by the government? None. Okay, so you don't get any subsidy. So how are you funding yeah. the business? I mean, you're burning capital like crazy, thirty million a year. Yeah, well, we raise money in the public markets. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we did that through public offerings. Um, we have some tremendous investors that believe in what we're doing. They believe in the opportunity set. You know, as we noted on our last quarterly call, you know, we've continued over the last seven to eight quarters to meet or exceed, you know, our projections. Uh, on unit volume and revenue growth uh, of our legacy business and on our future business, which is all the 5G and Wi-Fi 6E business that we're working on. Um, We continue to exceed expectation there as well, um, beating our internal and external reported milestones. And our largest customer happens to be the world's largest filter manufacturer. They've in turn reported to their shareholders that the most important technologies that they have uh, going forward for the RF front end include resonance technology. So we're pretty excited about that. And I think it's going to ultimately yield pretty significant dividends. Uh, we noted on the, on our last quarterly call, we believe that customer has the potential to generate over $100 million annually for resonant. Uh, you know, as they get to full volume on delivering filters into the 5G space. And that's one of seven tier one companies. So we think the opportunity here, the opportunity here is very large. And, you know, resident at a, you know, north of 100 million in revenue is going to be a very significant company in the marketplace. How long does it take you to get to 100 million in revenue? You know, uh, we're, we're thinking that the opportunity set is in the 2025, 2026 range. Is where those opportunities will present themselves as the unit volumes continue to expand and the number of devices continue to expand over the course of the next several years. Yeah, it's obviously exciting. When you take uh, $28.8 million back in February uh, of last year in post-IPO equity, help us understand what that means. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a great question. So, you know, if you look at the, uh, the, the cash that we've raised over the course of the last several years, you know, we're burning right now uh, about rough numbers, uh, six and a half, seven million a quarter. And that is all in R&D for the most part. I mean, the biggest chunk of it's in R&D, which is largely what drives this, you know, massive IP engine that we're creating. I mean, well over 300 patents filed and issued over 150 are in the 5G space. We are arguably in the top six uh, from an IP generator perspective in the BA filter space. I believe we'll be in number one or number two, definitely in the top two or three uh, by the end of this year. Um, makes us a very significant company from a technology asset base um, perspective. And that's what we're going to go create new designs against, which will allow us to get and maintain these high royalty rates. George, so, you know, 28.8 million last year. Excuse me? 
Who put in the twenty eight point eight million last year? It's in the public markets. It's you know hundreds of investors. We sold public. We sold shares in the public market. Oh, I see. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Will you do that again this year? No. That's we've uh, we've noted in the last our last quarterly call that we have cash into early part of next year, assuming no additional revenues. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Many people would argue that a patent portfolio is only as viable as how you've defended it and won in court. So of the 158 <laughs> patents you have issued in 5G, how many of you defended in court and won? None. Okay. So like, how, like, are they worth anything? Well, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. You know, your patent portfolio, you know, the value of your patent portfolio is based on the number of defenses that you've had and, and what you've won. And ultimately, you know, as we look at our portfolio, we have not defended it yet, but, uh, you know, we're on the front end of developing a portfolio and uh, it still is larger than and, and most of our potential customers. And I think where we're at today, as we go through and work to build this portfolio out, you know, defense is really not the position we're looking at. Clearly, the people that we partner with have... Um, the opportunity to take this technology and leverage it. And, uh, you know, as we sit back and see what happens, you know, I think there's going to be some opportunities for that to uh, materialize into some real uh, royalty streams for us in the future. Last question. Why not sell the EDA software direct to Skywork? Let them pay you $100,000 per year contract value, super high margin. And then you can still take the royalty revenue too for folks that don't want to buy the software direct. Yeah, it's a great question. It's one of the things when we created the software platform, uh, we we created with the, that in mind. Um, you know, we aren't doing that today. Uh, today, we've validated the technology against a multitude of different different foundries. Uh, I think we have over twelve foundries that we've actually qualified the the platform against. Over six that we've qualified our five uh, G technologies against, and. For us, you know, right now, we're thinking we're getting better value out of uh, the go-to-market model that we have, but we have that in the goodie bag that if we want to extend the platform uh, and start licensing that software platform on a go-forward basis, we have the ability to do so. Last question. Why is a guy like you do this? 2016, it sounds like you probably had a cushy job at the energy company. Why decide to jump into this? You know, I'm a startup and turnaround guy. I've been doing this for 35, almost 35 years now. Um, you know, spent the first half of my career, you know, working in companies that were in need of turnaround or rapid growth and been doing uh, startups for the last 10, 15 years. This is fun. We're having a ball. I mean, I work with a, a great group of scientists right now, uh, probably the best group I've ever worked with. You know, I've got roughly 70 employees, better part of 50 of them are in the technical side. I walk into a room. I'm clearly the guy that's got the fewest number of digits behind his name. It's just a lot of fun working with a lot of really smart young people that are doing really exciting things. And we think we're in a position to kind of change the overall market. And how many, how many customers in the last 12 months made up this 3.3 million revenue? It's a couple of customers last year. Got it. So yeah, you're, it's very much an enterprise sales motion. It's four or five. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Interesting. Well, you're in a hot space. It'll be fun to see what happens next, George. I appreciate you doing this. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, my favorite business book. Oh, goodness gracious. You know what? I'm not a guy who goes out and reads business books. So it's, it's, it's an unfair question to me. I spend all my time reading email every day. All right. Number two, is there a founder you're following or studying? Uh, who? Excuse me. A founder. A founder. Well, I mean, I think we all 
watch what's happening with Elon Musk just because he's an interesting guy to watch and follow. And for those of us who live in Austin, we've got to see what he's going to do to our town. Well, he's increased property values, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> number number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Favorite online tool? Well, you know, I'm sad to say I'm a Salesforce junkie. So what can I tell you? All right. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night, George? Four. Well, that's not healthy. Four hours. Uh, you know, we were just talking about that. That's the only reason I know that. It's four, three to four if I'm lucky. I'm getting old. You don't sleep much. Really? Four, how do you survive? I mean, I would die on four hours of sleep. I'm 31 and healthy. <laughs> well, again, and I would say I'm not 31 and I would say I'm kind of healthy. How's that? But why don't you get more sleep? It's, I mean, seriously, that's like you can't go four hours every night without serious you know, problems. I, I, I get to bed at night and I wake up in the middle of the night and I start thinking about what we have to do and I get up and I start working on it. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm having a ton of fun. I guess when, uh, I guess, you know, it, it'll come a time when I don't have this kind of fun stuff to work on and maybe I won't be thinking about it 24 seven and I'll get a little more sleep. But as it stands right now, that's why that's the way it works. BlackRock owns 5.4% of your outstanding shares. When they listen to something like that, do you think that that's an advantage? They hear that and go, we love it. George is working hard. He's only sleeping four hours. That's a great question. I don't know. I mean, the uh, as I sit back and look at it, those weren't the things that they were worried about when I when I last talked to them. They were more worried about uh, some other things as it relates to what uh, what our business is doing. And I think we are we're doing a great job at... Uh, creating value for folks like that. So at this juncture, I think they're probably pretty happy. All right, George, and what's the situation? Married, single kids? Oh, I'm married with two kids. I've got two daughters that are just out there having a ball, doing great things. How old are you? How am I? I'll be 59 this year. 59. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Oh, what I wish I knew when I was 20. Uh, You know, I, I think if I was 20 and doing it all over again, I really would. Uh, I really would have liked to know that uh, you know it's. Uh, there are a lot easier ways to make money. I'd have probably done software fully from the from the get go. Hardware is hard. They call it hardware for a reason. There you go, George Holmes with Resident.com, publicly traded SaaS company. Did three million in trailing twelve month revenue. Spent about thirty million to make that revenue though. So reinvesting mainly in their patent portfolio and R and D team. Seventy five people on the team, fifteen engineering, again three hundred patents, one hundred fifty in the five G space. They're purely a company focused on licensing this piece of hardware. Did thirty million bucks in GMV last year. Again, make about ten percent of that. They built an internal software. They haven't started selling that externally yet, but we'll see what happens there as they look to continue to grow. Again, seventy five people, two hundred twenty seven million dollar market cap today. We'll see what happens next. George, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you.